Listening to the flip side with Noah Philippiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grid of life. You can support the podcast and pick up some sweet flip side swag at www.patreon.com slash Noah Philippiak. All right. Welcome to episode 60. I can't keep track. 65 of the flip side podcast. We are here with Chase. Stancil. Uh, Chase, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, bro? There we go. Dude, I'm totally off my game. We're trying to do video. Our first, you and I's first video uh, podcast together. And whew, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm out of my depth right now. You're, you're like trying to navigate all of the little buttons and the phasers and the volume and the <laughs> yes. this and the that. Oh, see, look, your brain is being stretched. You're getting new creases in your brain. <laughs> I'm getting new creases in my brain. I need uh I need a studio and a studio what do they call those people that run everything, that do all the hard stuff? Producer? Uh, well producer is a studio technician. I need a studio technician. Yes. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. I have been a part of podcasts where they do have a studio technician and brother, it is smooth. Yeah, yeah. This is not quite smooth quite yet. <laughs> quite yet but we're getting there so well hey you are it's been a while but you're not a guest you're not a guest you are a co-host so welcome back co-host i feel i feel very like guest like so i gotta figure out like how do i make this feel more co-hosty yeah yeah well it's been a while it's hard to say you're a co-host when it's been a few months right (laughs) so i'm a co-host for the day you're there we go. I like that. Okay. Co-host for the day. Co-host for the day. I tell you what, man, podcasting while pastoring, you know, it's like I used to do a podcast with two friends and the work that it took to get our three schedules together, we we, we did an episode every three months because it was, <laughs> it was almost impossible. Hence, hence the reason why. Listen, I'm co-host for a day. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> both, exactly. Both of us are now yes. Yes. Full time. Man, I can barely like get enough time to schedule for myself, let alone yep. <laughs> doing something like this. So yeah. This is, it's good to be able to get it in. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for thanks for hopping on. Uh, I I like your your ninjas in the background, and you know oh, I, yeah. I remember. We had our, our, our ninja, I had my Ninja Turtle cup last time. So this is my, my, with video, I can show off See? my flip yeah. upon my mug. I need to up my game. This, this is the 11 ounce flip upon my mug. I need to order one of the big bucket ones that See? I gave you. Yeah, I left mine at the house. Uh, uh, and so I don't have it with me today, but it is something that I get to regularly use. A. So yeah. Uh, and I get to so, eat, or drink my coffee out of my flip flipopotamus <laughs> swag. <laughs> yeah. So if this works, we'll see. Angry Brew should hey. be on the screen, and and and, and uh, they sponsor the show. So I want to give a shout out to the Angry Brew that I'm drinking. And hey, I found out Chase they do sell K cups, so we might need to get do in they? on that for Unison. Mm, mm-hmm, see, mm-hmm. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. especially if we have dark roast. Because even though I know light roast gives you a little more caffeine, I like dark roast, the flavor. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. Well, actually, so Angry Brew is a... I'm trying to get this off my screen. I don't know how to get it off the screen. It's there forever. <laughs> so this this episode is brought to you by Angry Brew, and you're going to know it. <laughs> it's there forever. It's there forever. Uh, yeah, so, and for those listening on the audio podcast, so this video thing is new. You can go to YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Noah Flipiak. You can find the video and if you're listening on the audio, you can't see what we're doing, obviously. So just a reminder that you can go to angrybrew.com and get 10% off your order if you use promo code FLIP. I don't know if that applies to K-Cups. I will need to find out. I'll need to find out. But I hope so. Angry Brew is a dark roast, which I like. And it has this super high caffeine content because of the beans that they use. So there you go. That's what they do. That's Angry Brew. So, yeah. And um, so I have different kind of formats for these for these episodes. I think what I'll do this time, we're going to save Noah's rant for the end. Right. Got a little Covenant Eyes plug. We're going to do the Covenant Eyes promo after Chase and I have our conversation. And then we'll do we'll do Noah's rant at the end. So wait a minute. So with Noah's rant being at the end now, in the previous episodes, I'm like cut out. And, it's always at the end. Right. I have to do it at the end. Yeah. But like I've cut out. So like I mean, am I gonna just like be here for your rant, no. bro? Like, you can't you can't be here for the rant. No. Oh, okay. No, it's it gets too violent, it's too crazy. It's just you do you I mean you're a singer, so it might be different, but for me, you know, I sing in the shower sometimes. Um uh, when I was a kid I would I would make faces in the mirror, you know, like yeah. just that's these are private things. You can't have somebody else well, like in the room while you're singing in the shower. It's sort of the same with Noah's rant. Yeah, but I mean, is that like how does that like track if you are doing this on video now? Like before, you could make faces and no one would see them. <laughs> yes. Now... <laughs> I will say we've done one video so far, the last episode, and Noah's rant, I felt exposed. I, it was just me, but I felt exposed on the video because, man, when I do Noah's rant, I'm just, it's just me and the mic, and we just go. We go into Noah's rant land. So that was a little bit of an adjustment. We're still adjusting to video yeah. around here. It's a big change. It's okay. You got to, so you, Noah's rant may take a new, uh, new turn here soon where it's Noah's rant light. No, oh, that's impossible. That's impossible. We would we would go back to just audio before we would do that. So this is an experiment. Is it could epically fail. We'll see. I, I feel like it's successful so far. So far, we'll see how this software does when I go to edit. Because oh. last time, whew, let me tell you what. All right, that's great. So hey, Chase, we okay. talked about this just a little bit about what we're going to talk about today, but. In my episode 63 on the podcast, I shared part three of my story, which was on racial justice. And uh, in, I mentioned in there, I, I kind of shared how I got to where I'm at. And I said, I'm not going to talk a lot about solutions to racial justice because I didn't really have time 
And I thought that could be something that the two of us might be able to talk about together would be, are there solutions to, to racial justice? Um, I'd like to dive in there. And at some point, you know, in our city, in Grand Rapids, uh, over this last month, uh, we've made tragically national news with Patrick Leoya being killed by a police officer. And so these these two topics, they kind of uh, connect, you know, they kind of interweave. Yeah. And so uh, I, I'd, I'd love for us to be able to talk through some of that. I know it's a painful subject, um, but let's jump in first with just kind of racial justice as a whole, uh, the, the, the macro level conversation. I've we've laid out the problem and feel free if you want to put the problem into your own words. Uh, and then at some point, let's start brainstorming or just get your thoughts on. Are there solutions to this or is it just so messed up that solution isn't even the right word? Ooh. So, I mean, of course, you know, I've been able to speak about this before. It's just not a small subject. And I think that none of us, there's not a person on this planet um, that has lived long enough to know a time in which um, race was not a, um, a factor in outcomes, right? I think when I think about like race um, or even, yeah, when I think about race, I think primarily about the outcomes of race. And I think most of us are that way now. We don't just think about the difference in what part of the world your ancestors are from, because at the end of the day, like that's not a real factor in terms of race, because that's not really what race is about. Right. And so, you know, so race really is designed for outcomes. Race was created with an outcome in mind. So because race was created with an outcome in mind, there's no way for us to process race without outcomes. So I think that the conversation um, is, again, it's so multifaceted that I think trying to, to encapsulate it into, like, as you say, one episode, it's not gonna, it's not gonna really do that. Um, but, I, but I would say um, when we talk about racial justice, my mind does not, um, I cannot think of justice um, with just race as a piece of that puzzle. Because um, I honestly feel like justice is a very all-encompassing reality that to, to, to say racial justice minus, um, uh, racial justice minus um, socioeconomic justice, they, they're, it's impossible. You can't uh, because race was designed yeah. with socioeconomic implications as a part of it. So they're not separate. They, there is no separation between the two. Um, there's no um, racial justice without criminal justice and like justice within the judicial system. There's no, like it did just, I think justice in and of itself is a really big conversation. Um, so sorry if I is like, you know, like I throw the monkey wrench into the conversation, but I just feel like, honestly, this is um, justice is a, is a very, very, very big and deep uh, conversation as it relates to us as humans. Um, and then 
Um, and then honestly, once we navigate what, you know, once we navigate some of the, some of the things of justice in and of themselves, then I think in some ways, um, we begin to kind of see where, um, matters of race, matters of gender, matters of socioeconomics, you know, you know, dot, 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 all of those things get thrown into there. Now, that being said, I do think there's a real solid conversation as it relates to, um, uh, though, um, racial, um, uh, the relationships, um, that we as humans have and the way in which authority gets used, um, in terms of bias and race. But I think those are just, I, I, in my mind, those are different conversations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think when it comes to race and we talk about justice, I think that can, um, I think of the word equality is helpful in a way be, because when we t- justice and equality are, are interconnected. Yo, hey, we're back, Chase. Technical difficulties. We you fixed it. it. You said it was an experiment. You said Dude. we were like figuring it out and we are. We are a guinea pig, man. We go. Uh, oh my goodness. So just for, so listeners know, not that you really care because we edited and here we were back talking about equality have you ever been on your cell phone and you can hear yourself in the phone? Okay. That's what I was experiencing. It's okay. I, I was dying. Sometimes you do need to hear what you're saying so that you... I can hear myself. I My ears work just fine. I don't need to hear it twice, though. Just no, once is plenty. So, no, sometimes you need, it needs to come back at you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Chase saved the day. He he we we fixed it. We fixed our setup, hooked up, hooks up the it's all new now and good. So, boom, man, I feel better. Oh, I feel good. I feel better. I want to start the show over, but I won't. We'll, okay, okay. No, cuz you got to save that, man. Like we were we were in a good spot. We'll keep we're what not, we had. We're moving we're, to talking about equality. I was talking about equality. equality. Yeah. So, let me ask if this gets at all what what you're getting at or not. I don't know. So, like justice covers you know, like it's, it can be a very specific word, but it can also be a really general word. And uh, there was a, there was an article I read by Jamar Tisby uh, a couple years ago, and it was about the the multi-ethnic church. And, you know, that's, I have a multi, I just planted a multi-ethnic church. You pastor a multi-ethnic church plant as well. And he was saying essentially that uh, the multi-ethnic church has not been the solution to um, racial, to racism, to, to racial, you know, in, uh, justice, because uh, and basically that was like the clickbait title. Um, but he was saying it's a start to the solution, but just being multi-ethnic's not enough. So you could have a church with black and white and Latino, Latino people and, you know, brown, Asian, everything there. But if you're not addressing the inequalities that are within our society, then you're kind of just saying, hey, these inequalities are fine. Uh, let's get together on Sunday and sing together and, and hear preaching. And we're, but we're never going to do anything about the inequalities. And so he was pushing uh, all churches, multi-ethnic churches, to not only be multi-ethnic, but to address inequality as well. Is that are, Do you agree or disagree with that? I agree, kind of, but I think... I, I agree, but I think we might have a fundamental difference of the function of multi-ethnic church, right? Like, I, I I think that if the function, if you believe 
that the that the multi-ethnic church or the church in general functions as a as a mechanism for getting rid of racism in the world i think that that's probably uh, that that is not a that's an unhealthy expectation um i think that's just like the idea of expecting that the presence of the church is supposed to get rid of any other sin in the world that's an unhealthy expectation that is not the function of the church the function of the church is to be a road to christ and christ is the way to the father like that's all the church that's the only function of the church in terms of it's now that doesn't mean that we don't have responsibility in the earth as it relates to being a witness for christ and how that plays out in and speaking out for matters of justice and for matters of, um, of you know, you know, I guess global holiness. But I, but I just think that the, if if the expectation is that a multi ethnic church is supposed to rid the world of racism, I think ultimately that's not a thing. Um, I think, though, however, um, that that multi ethnic church should be a sort of, it's not just sanctuary in the physical sense, but sanctuary in the, um, in the I guess, broader sense. Um, a part of what the church is, is to, is to function as a foretaste of what, of what reality is like when Christ is, you know, reigning in the earth, right? So new earth does not have the does not have um, the the systems of racism the way that this current earth does. And when that church gathers or when that church is doing life together, it should function as close to new earth as possible. So racism should not exist within their fellowship, right? Race shouldn't be a significant factor in the outcomes in that fellowship and so, yes, you do have to address the inequalities there. But I think sometimes people have an unhealthy expectation that because a, because a multi-ethnic church exists, then the five mile radius around that church, there should be no racism. And that's just not that's not that's not going to happen. That's not <laughs> that's not going to happen at all. Um, but within the community that is that church, um, there should be increasing and in, in, uh, there should be an increase in. Um, the the diminished impact of racism just as much as there should be an increased um, or excuse me the, a diminished impact in any other sin because that's what the church does f- within its community. Yeah, but you guys, so, so I agree. It's good to have healthy expectations, and, and nobody's saying this is going to solve all yeah. racism, right? But but I think it's important that not to go to extremes to say. Well, then that means don't address it at all. Don't deal with oh, it no, you know, at all. Because no. you guys still, which I think a listener could maybe maybe extrapolate from what you were just saying, where it's like, oh, yeah. cool, black pastor, he just talks about Jesus. That's, that's what I want. Sign me up because I don't want to talk about any of that race stuff or racism stuff. That's not what you're saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. I, I, but, but no, not at all. Because, but I would say the, that it just like everything else is a matter of sin. So, yeah. right. So if I'm going to talk about, if I'm going to talk about any sin, then that is a part of sin too. I don't, so all sin, 
is a piece of the conversation. Race, like in, in terms of like the solution for racism is sanctification, <laughs> right? When we talk about that, just like the, it's the exact same solution for every other sin in our life. And and as pastors, we are responsible for pointing to all of those racism is included in there. So I would definitely not say we should, you know, we, we should definitely be talking about it. We should definitely be talking about it, but I think we should be talking about it within the, within the, the framework of this is a sin to be sanctified from, um, not, a, not, a, uh, not a mission of the church because that's not the mission of the church. But I, and so I think again, Sometimes I feel like people just put way more weight here than we should, and it positions us to have an expectation that that's not the function of the church. So, so when you have clickbait, a clickbait thing that says like you know having a multi ethnic church, you know, is not the only thing. It, yeah, because that's not the only, that's not the reason why this church exists. So anyway. No, I hear you. What about systemic sin? So, I mean, you know, you, again, when you talk about racism being a sin, I'm just, I'm just telling you what a lot of white ears hear. They're like, oh, good. Yep. That black pastor just said, you know, we can just racism's like other sins and we're going to s- sanctify it out of us. But how do you sanctify out, um, you know, the, the effects of redlining and, and police brutality and, you know, uh, unequal employment and all this kind of stuff. Like, like that's a different thing, right? Than just sanctifying out the sins that exist within like the people that sit in the pews. Uh, to some degree. Right. I think, I think ultimately, um, I think there has to be a real life, a real life, um, acknowledgement let's just we'll come back to racism in a second but let's talk about something that is um heinous and horrible in the world trafficking um uh trafficking horrible sin and it's a deplorable reality of the world in which we live in um uh and and the church has a has a role in speaking out and working to eradicate that from the earth. But that isn't the reason to plant a church. You can't plant, you don't plant a church to eradicate trafficking because that's not the function of the church. So the way in which the church is impactful in eradicating trafficking in, in, in the areas in which we can be influential is that as those in the, as we are discipling one another and as we grow in our in areas and our relationship with uh, with the father through Christ it is every area of influence that we have is impacted by that sanctification well if i'm a, a teacher and i attend a church that is navigating so let's circle back to this idea of racism or race um, if i am a teacher attending a local church that is that is explicit in their conversation about discipleship in regard to race then then every single person who i teach now is also impacted by that i don't get to leave my discipleship at church my discipleship goes with me everywhere i go 
who I am in Christ goes with me everywhere I go. And if the Lord has sanctified racism, like sanctified me from the sin of racism, then that shows up in in my teaching, that shows up in my parenting, that shows up in my, if I am a banker, it shows up in my banking. If I'm a governor, it shows up in my governing. If I'm an unemployed person, you know, cleaning up a, a park via, you know, volunteering, that shows up in everything I do. And ultimately, that becomes not a, like it doesn't mean that we have no room for activism. Yes, there's room for activism, a part of our discipleship shows up in our activism too. But it is just to say, I think it's important that as a church, we do a good job of also saying, this church was not planted to eradicate racism. This church was planted to make disciples and a part of our discipleship means that we're gonna be sanctified, we're intentionally working to, to help each other um, be sanctified out of this idea of racism as well. But it just ultimately then what, because if we don't have that kind of conversation, then we create legalistic rules around, around an action that ultimately is not the function of the church. Um, and, and so I don't want anybody to believe that we should not be having a conversation about race. That's not what I'm saying. I just don't want us to also put, pretend that that's the function of the church. It's just never, that's never been our rule. That's never been our, that's never been our job. Our job isn't to get rid of sin. Our, that's just not it. That's, that's Jesus and the Holy Spirit's job. Like that's not. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So anyway. Well, this is good. This is why we're on video. See, cause YouTube is all about, uh, you know, the, we disagree. You and I disagree on this. This is good. We're, so we're going to have a YouTube fight. <laughs> And it's gonna go viral. Okay. And um, I'm not even sure what that would mean then, you know. For, but um, maybe I could. We're not gonna have a fight because we're. Our... <laughs> You're too loving to fight. You're too much of a Christian to fight. Uh, no, we're not gonna have a fight because my allegiance to you as my brother is more I know. important than our. But we could stage here. it. We could stage a fight just to get YouTube clicks. We could okay. just fake it just to right. just to get people clicking and sharing you know (laughs) no so i think it's like this here's what i like about video okay like you're here and i'm i'm like i'm here okay so we're we're not over here we're but we're also not exactly the same i think we overlap like this and that's good that's good so here's my take on it i think racial justice as a sin racial injustice racism systemic racism i think it's set apart from let's say like sex trafficking is a good example because they're both horrible. They're both injustices, and we could we could both apply scripture to both. But uh, sex trafficking didn't build the communities that we live in, and sex trafficking. Hang on, hang on. Uh, the church, okay. the church, the American church didn't build sex trafficking. Like the the American church didn't go. You know, we're going to the church, both formally like pastors, as well as Christians who are in charge of government. I mean, our country was founded by predominantly by Christians. And then through the centuries, we have Christians policymakers. Right. And so Christians like at the root, there was something about American Christianity that that allowed slavery, that that allowed Jim Crow laws, that allowed 
you know, I think of redlining as as a really helpful example of literally, and we talked about this when we were together. I forget what episode that was. I'll find it on my other computer over here at Gr- like Grand Central no. Station. <laughs> I think it was around fifty seven. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we talked about redlining and this, and and so like the church, we helped build this. And then for me as a white pastor, and this is where it becomes personal. The the white church is the one who allowed it to happen and then was like, yo, we're not even going to let black pastors be in leadership here. We're not, we're going to make black people sit in the back rows. You know, there was so much inequality that then, uh, you know, blacks had no other option, but to start their own churches, denominations, you know, seminaries, because the white church had, had, had kicked them out. So it, it just feels more like we, all of us in the church, this is part of our, um, it's part of our collective sin. Like we've all, we as, as, and I would say, I say maybe I'm speaking just as a white guy here. Like there's a collective sin uh, when it comes to white privilege, when it comes to this idea of whiteness being the the lead, the, the go-to throughout our history as a country. And that I go, man, I, I feel like that shaped what we have in the church today more than sex trafficking shaped what we have in the church today. So it feels like it is part of the church's role to reshape, to reshape what was misshaped. So I would say one, I, I, I intentionally didn't say sex trafficking. Okay. Because right. So like trafficking, trafficking in general, slavery, right? labor trafficking. That's a piece of, like that's a, that is a, yeah. that's a piece of that puzzle. So our vocabulary, you know, would, 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 would have to be aligned there for that's, us to. Yeah, write. that makes sense. So, um, so I'd say any, so trafficking in and of itself, the foundations of trafficking is to, is, is the justification by which I can use another life, um, and deplete that life on, or degrade that life for the benefit of my own. That is the foundations of trafficking, right? So, um, so to ultimately and specifically when it comes to do with humans, I dehumanize them in order to justify my use of their life, um, right? So, right? So, there's something inside of me that if I were to say, um, you know, in any in any system, let's just say like a, a socioeconomic system where. Um, it is appropriate for a family member to sell their daughter to um, for whatever sex and or, and or any other form of slavery to pay off their debt. That is a system that dehumanizes that individual um, for the benefit of other people. And that is, um, I would say, what uh, and th- so that as in we circle that back to the idea of race, well, that was done with blacks. We yeah. de- so so the the socioeconomic system that said that that led to the science of race says these individuals are if at if human at all, they are a diminished form of human. Thus, it is appropriate for them to be used. Um, um, as as uh, as slaves indefinitely, right? There's no um, so they're horses, for a lack of any other way to say that, right? Right. There's so 
Um, so that so that's what I mean by trafficking. That's what that's what. I, um, and to to your point, um, uh, the the church's role in that. I I I feel like that's a, that that is sticky and it's messy. Take it back um, like 200 years, you know, like let's say it was in that messy. slavery time. Would you say the church's role would be to say this trafficking's wrong, slavery's wrong, like we need to become abolitionists? Uh I absolutely believe that the church has a role in affirming humanity, right? Like, I think that that's a piece of the puzzle. I do. I, that's, that's, that is a part of that, that discipleship and that sanctification. I do believe that. Um, if we were, if this was 200 years ago, would I believe that we need to start a church to, to do abolition work? I don't know. Um, uh, um, I think because a piece of the puzzle also too is I'm a part of the church (laughs) right Um, does that mean that ethnically I own that which was done to my to my ancestors I don't know if I can ethnically own that right but I am very much a part of the church so like I think that a piece of the puzzle that's here like I, I was just reading in Nehemiah um, I, um, and, uh, and I, I do believe wholeheartedly that when it comes to like, um, when it comes to revival and when it comes to like us, like having like a solid witness in the earth, that there is solid reason for, uh, repentance, absolutely solid reason for repentance in the ways in which the church as a whole has, um, has been neglect, neglectful, abusive, has misused whatever authority or influence it has had in the earth to ultimately, I mean, we're still doing that. Like, right, slavery right. ended, we're still doing it. We got whole documentaries about it. <laughs> <laughs> right? um, so we're still doing that as a church. And so I do believe that there is a solid reason for repentance and not just, I'm sorry, repentance and turn, like as yeah. in turning away, right? From what you've yeah. been doing. I do think there's reason for that. Um, uh, to what, um, to what extent, like how far that goes. Um, um, I, I, I think that there's a line. Um, I think there's a line um, and that line is, um, th- that line is, I think, also being able to acknowledge that there's some things that you can't you can't pull some things out of the back into the box, um, and that had nothing to do with the church in and of itself. Race wasn't invented by the church. The problem of racism is race, right? The problem of racism in every single person on the planet is going if without being without having the holy spirit guide us into not dehumanizing we will all fall into the trap of of being able to take advantage of everything that we can to build ourselves up because that's what sin does that's Mm -hmm. just what sin does so whether or not the church is to blame for that i actually don't believe the church is to blame or race or racism. 
I feel like the church benefited from it, but I feel like the American church benefits from capitalism too. And that's, and that's a whole other conversation that we, that ultimately it's, it's a matter, that's why I say it's a matter of discipleship because ultimately then we are able to utilize whatever circles of influence we have um, to, to, um, to, 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 to point to what is the original intent of creator God. But I don't know that it is, you know, again, I don't know where, I don't know that, that I think that might be again where, you know, where we begin to kind of see there's some difference in the way in which we, in the application of it. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, well, so it was episode 57 that we talked oh, about. Oh, see. Hang on. You're close. You you got half of it right. Because okay. I remember we talked about the bougie ketchup, Heinz 57. Right? You said that. <laughs> bougie, bougie ketchup. Uh, it is episode bougie 57. Ketchup. We talked about, we did all the buzzwords on that one. That was uh, critical race theory, white yeah. privilege, and white supremacy for our buzzword episode. So if yeah. you want to go check that one out, episode 57. And then it was episode 55, uh, two episodes before that, we talked about uh, gentrification and redlining. So, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I do remember that now. That's the, the, Ch- the Chase and Noah album, plus our Christmas special. But we didn't, we did we didn't talk Christmas about special. We did. That was nice. That was nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. So, yeah, that, no, this is that good. That was a fun one. We didn't have hard topics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, and you know me. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty... I mean, I'm pretty opinionated on on what I think about you got a whole rant about it, bro. <laughs> yeah, but I don't I don't rant about real things. I think hopefully people okay. know that. Every once in a while, I'll get emails like, "Hey, you should rant about this." It's like, no, that's like a real thing. I don't. <laughs> Noah's rant is not a. We don't rant about real things to rant about. It's yes. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, let's switch gears. So, um, let's talk about. We have racial injustice okay so it, it exists yes. um and i thought about i i mentioned in episode 63 which is when i shared my story and and talked about racial justice i mentioned new humanity on there um as this startup that you and i and two other pastors currently are involved in getting started off the ground uh the the hope of it to be a a church planting network for multi-ethnic churches but that are that are focusing in on have fun have a funding source for uh, community development in you know within within that urban context and so within that i i like to think that again there's no delusion that we can fix what systemic racism has done i mean i think yeah. I, I think when, when people, white people first, when I first began to learn about, you know, systemic racism, even and racism in general, I kind of thought it felt like a broken plate that was broken in two. And hey, you'll just glue it together in the middle. And now you, we have a plate again, kind of like, hey, let's just meet. Let's all apologize. And, you know, everything will be fine. I think I think there's a very simplistic uh, understanding that some. Um, I would I would imagine people of color typically don't think of it that way uh, that white people can think of that way when they first start to hear of these problems. So since then, since 2008, which was a minute ago, uh, and 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 trying to do some of this work, I've learned that the, the plate is not broken in two. 
uh, to be glued back together. The plate has been smashed to bits uh, on the ground and then smashed more with a sledgehammer. And now it's <laughs> it's like a million shards of glass. And then it's like, hey, put your hands in this glass and put all these pieces back together. And so you get cut and bloody. And then you go, wow, this isn't fixable, right? This isn't this isn't fixable. Um that was a, a kind of a, a visual that God gave me through some a, hard times. Through some hard times. And he did one. give me a little more that was on the hopeful side, which was if you put all that glass back into the the furnace, it will get hot and uh, pain, lots of pain. But God can, God can make something new out of it. It can, and it can make that something part. new. So, yes, and amen. That's what we call revelation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Revelation. <laughs> bowls and scrolls and trumpets that's right yeah but so like in in the meantime um i feel like often we we talk about this stuff and it can feel like okay i did a book club on this i talked about it but i just see people not doing anything and if we don't do anything um things aren't things are just what we're saying i feel like is i'm okay with how things are i'm okay with the inequity I'm okay that the net worth of a white household is $100,000. The net worth of a black household is 10. Uh, I'm okay with that. You know, I, I, I'm okay with these inequities that were built by systemic racism. And so what I want to dive into, and maybe you feel like there's nothing that can be done. Uh, well, I but know something can be done. What do you feel like <laughs> can be done? What, what, what can be done uh, on the action side? Um, not that action should be the first step. I mean, there needs to be lots of understanding and 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 uh, and that's part of action is is learning and growing and building relationships. Uh, but but what what are some next step action steps that are out there, even on a nationwide scale or on a personal scale? Um, a little story first. Let's do it. Okay. Story time with Chase. Uh, so um, there was a um, so, so Jesus was. Um, do a ministry all over, um, you know, Jerusalem and Judea and Galilee and all them other little places. There's a rich young ruler that came to him and asked, hey, I want to follow you. What do I need to do? Jesus says to him um, to go sell all of your possessions, give the proceeds to the poor, and then come and follow me and we're good. And he goes away disappointed because he was wealthy and that was significant jesus turns to his disciples and like and this right here <laughs> is why it's more difficult for wealthy people to enter into the kingdom of god than for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle so many of us who are in the united states um, have heard that interpreted through this idea of there was this place in you know in, in the middle east called the eye of a needle and the camels who were heavy laden they had a hard time right. going through blah 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 that's crap <laughs> jesus was being he was being literal in that moment um but to point and but yes being dramatic but being literal right and what i mean by dramatic is I, I, like there's no way a camel can pass through it an eye of a needle, right? That's, so there's a dramatic element to what Jesus is being, but being literal about 
like it's not to say like there was just really this tight passage and it is possible like no jesus is pointing to something that is a matter uh that we need to really process um uh so um if we were to break this down this is a rich young ruler wealthy yes young which is we need to understand that implies that this was inherited this isn't something that he built from the ground up. This isn't something, so this was given to him by someone else who developed that. And then ruler, meaning that this individual has influence and authority where they are. So rich, so a wealthy person who received their wealth by means of a gift or inheritance and a, um, an individual with authority. And basically, Jesus is saying to take all that of what that is, don't just sell it because we're going to need to have some food to buy. Go sell it and give what that is away to people who could not get it on their own. Right? Give that to the poor. That's what he's saying. Um, That's the part that's actually probably more difficult than anything. We have issues with entitlement in in our culture that would make us want to interpret that portion of scripture differently but the idea that you uh, that the idea that jesus is saying to go give away what was given to you to someone who could not get it on their own that's called advocacy <laughs> that's really what that's called right if we were to if we were to really boil that whole little parable down, that moment down into it's it is it is a moment where Jesus is saying to advocate. And so what I believe can actually be done, I really do believe white people need to advocate for people of color. I just do. And what I mean by that is not just get out and go scream in the middle of the street. I mean, you have influence that you are not actually using because you're not being risky with it. You're only jumping in when it's safe to jump in, but you're not actually positioning yourself to to experience the pain of the loss so that somebody else can have gain. And I'm not saying everybody is doing that. I'm not, that's not the point. But I think if if we're to actually talk about what Jesus was saying there, those of us who are the descendants of individuals who enslaved and oppressed other people, you have been given authority and influence and potentially wealth that was not yours that you built, but was given to you, even just the ability to be able to move smoothly through this society is something that was given to you that you did not develop on your own. But if we were to track along with what Jesus said to that rich young ruler, it is to not just give up your authority, to not just give up that quote unquote privilege. It is to say, I will be using this privilege in a way that makes me uncomfortable on behalf of other people who could do absolutely nothing to gain it. That is a discipleship matter, right? That's what I mean by like, people have to have conversations where particularly white men to say to them, you uh, able-bodied, wealthy, white, male, heterosexual in the United States who is a Protestant Christian, has the most social influence in, in, in the United States. 
They just do. And when they utilize all of that influence on behalf of people who have no way of getting that on their own and make themselves uncomfortable to do so, they are more like Jesus than any other time in their life. <laughs> yeah. just like, and so when I, so like, when I say what can be done, that's what I mean. I, like the end of the day, it is as opposed to like the, 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 and that looks different for everyone, but let's say there is a white police chief that's a Christian in a, in a, in a, in a part of the world where like seeing a white police chief um, jump into a, jump into some advocacy as it relates to, to um, police reform, that is, he has something to lose and is utilizing his influence in a way that is actually risky and influential. Seeing some t- some 20 year old college student, you know, a white person do that. Yeah, it's great. But that's not that's not the advocacy of scripture. The advocacy of scripture is to use your power for those who have who don't have it. And that's the, that's what I mean like when I say that something can be done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so, and let me say a couple of things just for, again, what people hear, you're talking about power here. You're not saying, and I know this cause you helped me with this. You're not saying like black people don't have anything and white oh, people no. have to come save no. them. You're, you're talking about power in this society, the way this society doles out power. Right. So Absolutely. just to, I'm just re-saying what you said kind of in, yeah. in a different way. But what's interesting, I thought when you were listing that list of uh, and I, okay, we're on video. People is not on audio. They're missing out. I'm counting on my fingers right now. You were counting on your fingers. Bro, I can bro. see it. Boom. You were like white, male, uh, Protestant, uh, heterosexual, something else, right? You had like six of them. Able, able-bodied. Able-bodied. And wealthy. And wealthy. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and let me say wealth is very relative. What I hate about the wealth conversation is people are like, I'm not, I'm not wealthy because you think of Bill Gates as, as the, the definition of wealthy or you think of the, the you know, whatever, some, some like the wealthy, wealthy, wealthy part of town. You are wealthy. Like I, I don't have the stats in front of me. I just talked about this on one of my recent five minute flips. Um, the, I just read a book. I listened to a book. I try to be honest about the books I listen to on audio. <laughs> um, <laughs> John Mark Comer has a book. I don't remember the name. It's either The Relentless Pursuit, uh, The Relentless Elimination of Hurry, or it's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I don't remember. But it's just go with The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He he lays out all the stats of of wealth in the world, and I don't remember them now. But basically, uh, if you like if you live in the US and you make just if you're like above the poverty line, you're I'm very much paraphrasing, but you're very, very wealthy globally. Globally, globally oh, you're in absolutely. the top 5%. You're, it was something, yeah. you're in the top 5% globally. So we just need to keep that you know, in mind. But back to the fingers, uh, if you are all those things, and you, what you're saying, say, uh, Chase, when you're talking about you know, white, male, et cetera, um, that's the, the, the person that Jesus is calling to um, advocate for yes. those that... Now, here's what's interesting. You can look this up. When you look at political polls, I don't know how this was done, but I remember seeing a poll that was measuring uh, racism. It was it was like it was a poll that was measuring the amount of racism people had. And this was both uh, in their like individual lives, their implicit biases sort of stuff, but then also the way they viewed policies 
the way they viewed policies on race and the way they viewed systemic issues. And guess who's number one on the list? <laughs> and it was white Pro- Protestant was number one. I, I remember it was pr- Protestant, white, probably men and women. I don't know if they, but you know, if they, but white Protestants, you know, that were Republican, they were number one on the list when it came to uh, measuring, you know, racism. And, and, you know, you could hear that and be, and say, you could say whatever you want to say, but I look at that and go, it's ironic that what you just said <laughs> and then what that shows it's it's the opposite of what, but it also shows the truth of what Jesus was saying. The truth yeah. is, yeah, that's really hard for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's really that's hard. The right? point is it's really hard to lay down the power yes. that you've been given and that you have, and right? Exactly. Because we say, I wasn't given this. I earned this. And, <laughs> that, that, and I think that, so that's, so, but, but all the more like the, you know, let me back up real quick, the conversation of wealth. Um, I think the best way to think about wealth from a biblical standpoint is if you don't have to depend upon anybody else, you're wealthy. That's there what you that go. means. Self-sufficiency yeah. Yeah. is wealth from a biblical standpoint because the Bible talks about our need for God and one another as a part of what it is to actually, that's a part of what it is to do community. So truly wealth is this consist is this pursuit of a lack of need of others. That's really what it comes down. When I when I'm pursuing wealth, it's because I don't want to need anybody else. Yeah. So yeah. So if I don't need anyone else, then I'm wealthy. That's if I can pay my bills without having to ask somebody something. That's wealth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so ultimately, um, um, and so that lumps a whole bunch of people into it. From that definition. I'm mostly wealthy. <laughs> There's sometimes where I'm like, God, I just need you to get me through this. But anyway, uh, uh, so that being said, I think that is that's why I pointed to that story in Scripture because I think if we're trying to think through what advocacy looks like or what the work of once I'm discipled or once I'm sanctified into this into this way of living, well, what does it really look like? Whatever power I have in this earth is utilized to the glory of the Father, but for building up people whom the world has crushed. And, and that list, white, able-bodied, male, Protestant, wealthy, heterosexual, means that you have a social ability to move smoothly through most areas of our world as it relates to, uh, to our society. Society. Can you go to uh, you know a Middle Eastern gay bar in the hood? Well, and and feel like you can move smoothly? Probably not. But is that a measure of success in this community in this society either? No. <laughs> right. Right. Social capital and right? influence. Yeah. In terms of yeah. the measures of success, because I, I talk with people, I was like, "Well, I can't go to like an all-black basketball court. Well, are you gonna? Does that matter? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Like, in terms of your ability to live successfully in the society, you can move more smoothly through through the rooms of this house, so to speak, than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because of that, you have more room." to be sacrificial in your engagement. Um, and um, does that make you a savior? No. Does that make you somebody who, um, who the world should look to as a, as a you know, 
for salvation? No. Um, but if we are going to actually be disciples of Christ, then that means we do what Jesus was saying from the rich young ruler. Give up what you were not given. Or excuse me, give up what you were given um, for the benefit of other people who were not given that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just uh, I was just talking about Protestant again. What I remembered is in that survey, that poll, evangelical was the most racist. And then they had other Protestant groups that would be more, I think, mainline Protestant that were less racist and white. So, again, my my observation with that is there's something and even it's historical historical in the white evangelical church. If you read Divided by Faith, that's kind of a main premise of that book. And, uh, and that book was my Genesis book into this into this work back in 2008. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it's just it's uh, we have to be realistic in some ways for me. That brings it full circle back to that original, you know, even conversation about the church. It's like right. if if that's at the top of the like the most racist list, at least according to this study, yeah. uh, then we have to at least we have to look at that and go, OK, what are we teaching? that created that and maybe more specifically what have we not been teaching like we totally to- we the way the go church we we don't even touch a third of the bible we don't talk about the the minor prophets we don't talk about jesus when he's talking about this stuff like what you just said about the rich young ruler you'd never hear a sermon like that in a standardized standardized typical white evangelical church because we we just ignore, we just ignore that part of the Bible. If it has to do with economics, if it has to do, and, all, and, and, and again, like you said, all this race stuff, it all had to do with economics from the get-go, right? Right. And, and so we just, we don't hear what God wants us to hear when it comes to economics. We, we hear what we, we hear what we want to hear. But, but, but that's a part of, again, that, again, that's, I think that's the strength of pointing it to not personal, to community discipleship. I think when people yeah, hear the word good. discipleship, they think like your yeah. scripture memorization and your prayer life. No, yeah, <laughs> that's called devotion, right? Discipleship is our communal development and our, and our witness for Christ. So let's say, let's just, if we were to paint a picture and say, let's, you know, for the last, you know, 150 years that the church was doing its job of discipling people to see that what Jesus was talking about there, we would be in a completely different place than we are right now, right? Like completely different place if, if let's just like most of the, most of the CEOs on the planet are white men, or I want to say the planet in the United States, right? Yeah. Most of the CEOs in the United States are white men. That's okay for us to say. It's just, we just know that. Well, if, and let's just say, and not all of them are Christian, but let's just talk about the ones that are. <laughs> if they were discipled to believe that it was their responsibility to advocate with whatever influence they had, to advocate on behalf of those whom the world is crushing, the world would look different. Yeah. Right? But that's why I say it's a matter of discipleship. That doesn't mean that the church doesn't have a role in speaking, but our primary function is that if we do our job of not of not of not benef- not looking to benefit from the way the world is crushing um, you know others, but to act to to very boldly speak truth against it 
in the lives of those who are part of our communities. One, the church will look smaller. I do know that. <laughs> I do know that the church will be smaller because um, uh, we don't like that. Uh, but I also do believe, though, the church will be quite a bit more powerful than we are to now. Right now, we're deluded by our whole idolatry of money and power, blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. That's another episode, too. <laughs> that is. Yeah. And what you're talking, you know, capitalism comes up a lot because capitalism basically says, I think it's, I, I talked about this in my last little five minute flip, it, but, and I've talked about it before and, and it's, it's, it's not that I'm at people like, oh, you're a communist. No, I'm just, I'm just pointing out, I, I I'm pointing out yeah. the sin, the sin flaws of capitalism, which is Jesus would do that if he was here, trust me, because the, I would say the number one driving force of capitalism is, well, at least one of them. There's several. There's several of these, these, these kind of foundational rules. But one of them is just make as much money as you can at all cost, pretty much. And so I don't care about the people uh, that are – how did you say it? The people that are being downtrodden. Yeah. Um, I don't care. And in fact, if you look at capitalism globally, which I don't get fully – from crushing them. Oh man, like if, and I don't get this part, but I'm trying to learn more. I'm trying, like, why are, when you, you learn about why our clothes are made in other countries and why, you know, like, like the cell phone, the, the, the cell phone mining in the Congo and, and how these, 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 these global corporations who are based in the United States, who are run by rich white men, they're basically, it's like, it's, they're, they're paying people of color pennies to do, life-threatening mining work to drill out again again i'm not an expert on this but to drill out the stuff that they're using to make these devices or the again you could go to clothing and sweatshops and there's companies get, getting in trouble for this stuff and 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 we're just like yeah it's capitalism as long as as long as i can get this thing on sale at the at the store that i'm that i'm that i'm happy you know it's just, there's something you. wrong just I'm sound the to. alarm sound the alarm I'm about to help you be free, brother. Listen, even if you were a communist, the Bible is not a cap. Like scripture is not no. a is not a uh, is not a capitalistic support document, right? <laughs> right. And scripture doesn't support capitalism. It doesn't support communism or socialism or any other ism that you're gonna come up with because right. those are systems that are made up in this world for us to be able to have to be able to function within the same economic situation. There are context. That's all it is. If you want to live in Sweden, you're gonna. You can't go. You can't. You can. You can go there and have any ideology you want economically, but you're gonna be within a social socialist economy, whether you agree with it or not. <laughs> if you're here, you're gonna be functioning in a capitalistic yeah. society, whether you agree with it or not. And the Bible doesn't care about your your socioeconomic ideology because that's not the point. They're all man-made and all flawed and imperfect. It is our responsibility as believers to be able to point to what is the what is it like Christ to be in this system. Even Jesus was functioning within an economic system, and there were moments in which he submitted to that, and then there were moments in which he was in opposition to it. So that is that is what it's like to be a Christian is to say none of these systems are completely God focused. So what is it like Christ to do within the system? And yeah. if that means I get called a communist, well, at the end of the day, I ain't, I'm neither one. So who cares? <laughs> like, 
my first allegiance is to what is the what is it like economically in the kingdom of God? Um, and that is, it really is whatever gift I have, whatever I have, I use on behalf of those who don't have it. Yeah, Literally, no, that's, that's how this works. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I say that to, and then I'm going to switch, I'm going to switch gears here, but I say that um, because in this arena, it, as soon as you uh, critique something about capitalism, yeah. people immediately point a finger and say, you're a communist. And what was it? I mean, that's called idolatry. Well, what's, it is. No, and it is. And we've wrapped up Christianity, you know, into that idolatry. Yes. Look at that video. Nobody on audio gets you doing that with your fingers like that, man. That's great. This is priceless. We got to charge for this. So good. So good video. Oh, so, but um, we were reading, uh, so there's a book for listeners that, that wouldn't be familiar with. It's called A City Within a City, oh, and yeah. it's called The Black Freedom Struggle in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so it chronicles our city approximately the last hundred years, the last yeah. hundred years of racism up to this point. What was really interesting is I'd be reading it about stuff that happened in the 50s, and they would quote somebody saying something that was very equality based, very much civil rights based. And the response from the white, you know, probably, you know, evangelicals were in Grand Rapids was the, the, the response was you are a communist. That was a response. It, yeah. it, it was so, so this has been around for a while that anytime we talk about wanting equality and, and talking about, you know, the downtrodden, if you can call it, it's, it's like the, I've heard people say with critical race theory, the same kind of boogeyman. If you can, you can just shut down a conversation by saying, oh, that's CRT. It's evil. That's communism. You're a communist. And, and, and I think this is how politicians get elected. They, they use stuff like this to get people to rally behind and say, everybody else is, is the enemy. So anyway, I say that to, um, I just call uh, that idolatry. Yeah, I'm yeah. done. Call, I'm done calling that immaturity. I'm done calling that. <laughs> I'm done calling that. Like you know, all that. That is just you know, pride in one's country. That's idolatry. That is exactly what that is. Um, if if and any time that God is threatened, any time uh, another God that you have. I'm not saying that that God is is above Yahweh, the God, Creator God. I'm not saying that. But you've made him. You've made that God equal to Yahweh. They share a throne on your heart, um, and um, and I'm done calling that immaturity. I'm done calling it anything but idolatry. And I don't think I think as as spiritual leaders, if we don't call that what it is, then we just continue. We position ourselves to stay in the same place where we are, um, and we're not discipling people toward a full allegiance to the Father um, because we're we are allowing people. We're allowing people to pretend that they can have the same level of allegiance to their economic and their um, their governmental systems as they can the God of creation. And we do so at the detriment of, 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 of not their soul, because I'm technically not responsible for their soul, but we do so at the detriment of the witness of the church. And that's why so many people have issues with Jesus now. Because we have not done our jobs, and mm -hmm. <laughs> like we, so like that's why like we 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 allow for there to be so much idolatry in this process, um, and ultimately it just makes God look bad. Mm, mm. 
Yeah, that's well said. Well, hey, I, I, normally would just wrap things up right now. I feel like we don't have time. Well, no, what I'm talking about, we, we at the beginning, I gave in the intro that we were going to talk about Patrick Leoya, and so it's like we're we've been going for a while. Do you do you want to talk about that now? Do you want to save it for another time? No. We can talk about it now. Let's just kind of let just give us your thoughts, like help help um, walk. Th- walk listeners through you know uh it's 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 been a few weeks but uh let's talk about that and then and then we'll wrap up i um uh man encapsulating that um we've done a really um i think we've done a lot of processing that even as a as a community a church community here um at unison um the church staff and then we also have this thing called racy um which um we get together and talk about um building relationships across ethnic lines and um, what is you know really into some ways kind of relationally casting a vision for what racial reconciliation looks like and anyway um i think um where i've landed personally is um as a black man, <clears throat> I am responsible for managing the fear of the people around me. Um, all of us, every single person here has been taught to fear um, black men to some degree. And that's kind of the bias behind the, you know, the, the shooting, um, the killing of, of unarmed black men the bias behind there. There's a, um, you know, like I say bias in and of itself is, is a neutral thing. We all have bias. Um, it's the thing that causes us to make decisions um, to some degree. And there is a negative bias toward black men as it relates to their violence. Yeah. Um, so as a, as a black man, I'm responsible for managing the fear of the people around me. And because we've all been educated in um, fearing the violence of black men, um, when we have situations that are um, like with Patrick Leoya, I think it just makes me more and more aware of that. Some of us have, um, and so I, so I think for the first time, I am, I, I, I'd say probably more intimately aware of that. Um, I've always known I haven't had words for that, and that is a heavy weight. Um, I think that's kind of where where I have been with this this particular situation. It is a heavy weight to be responsible for the societal fear of people who whom look like you simply because that is our societal um, like uh, bias. Um, there is a bias bias against me um, that I am the one that's responsible for managing the weight of that. I'm the one that's responsible for um, my my tone and my volume, and I'm the one responsible for making all the right choices um, and 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 not even and really in some ways not being human um, when a when an authority comes to. Uh, uh, I have an interaction with a, an authority in this, in that particular case, a police officer, when that should just not be the case. It just should not be the case. Um, it's, it's your whole job 
um, <laughs> um, you are, um, and you should be trained um, uh, to to manage what is natural human responses. Um, yeah. Uh, right. You should be trained to manage what is. I'm not saying you should be trained to you know to 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 navigate being pummeled and having your life in danger. I'm saying you should be trained. <laughs> And what it is to de-escalate what is a natural human response to that pressure, that pressure, that, that is not a pressure that the rest of the world the rest of our society has to deal with. And, um, and, and the challenge that I have is now, um, now even being armed with that information and articulating it that way, I still not bear the weight of knowing our society has not evolved beyond this. So how is it that I make sure that I, that my sons know that that is something that they have to manage? Um, it's more than just don't do anything wrong. It, you know, the, the truth is it is manage the fear of everywhere around you so that you're never um, accused of anything. And that's just to make you as safe as you potentially can be that doesn't guarantee you anything. And I think that's the weight that I think I've, I've wrestled with this time around that I can't, um, that there isn't, it isn't shakable. Um, it, it just comes in waves. And so it hit really hard and even more particularly difficult because it was in our neighborhood. Right. So, yeah. 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 Um, uh, Forgive me for asking this. I I, I had these two comments. I, I made a post on Patrick Leoya on Facebook, and I I hid both of these comments. Um, so it tells you about them. Uh, but it they're out there, and and I don't know if people. I don't know. I'm curious if people have the courage to ask you, uh, black guy, this you know personally uh, or not. But. What do you say to the typically white person who says he he was resisting arrest? Uh, he shouldn't have been. Um, and so, like, it was justified, kind of the, uh, that understanding. Well, I think if if, if they have, if any if anyone actually ever uses the word justified, then that's a whole long, like, you yeah. all kind of eyebrows for me. I don't have to control my face because um, um, I think ultimately that points to um, it points to training um, it, and it points to our societal belief that um, resisting re resisting arrest automatically equals death. Death. Right? Yeah. If we have a societal belief, regardless of their race, right now, so let me step off of race for a second. We have a societal belief that resisting equals death. Do we actually believe that? Mm, I don't think we do. I don't think we actually believe that resist equals death because we don't use that kind of language when it's any other person. We don't use that kind of language when a white woman is resisting arrest. Right? We don't say, why didn't you guys kill her? <laughs> That's, we would never say that, right? Because it's not justified and we know it. 
we know it's not justified because if it was justified, it would be justified across the board. A little 90 year old Asian woman would, we would be asking for her head if we believed it was justified that she argued with the police about arrest, arresting her. We don't believe that. We only believe it in a case where there is a negative bias against a person. That's why we believe it. That's why I believe we believe it's justified. And ultimately, um, my 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 conversation with with individuals who 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 struggle with seeing the pattern because that's really the point here. Yep. The whole conversation yeah. isn't about this one situation. And I think if you continue to isolate them into this situation led to this because of this this situation led to this because of this, then you miss on you miss out on the opportunity of what is a scientific study. Science studies patterns. It does not study isolated situations. There, so we have been able to, base just upon, a, we can do a scientific study, not a biological or an anatomical, but just a scientific, meaning a systematic study of, right? So we can do a systematic study of police interactions with black men or black people in general. And we can see that there is a difference in how those interactions play out. What are the outcomes of those interactions? And so if we can see that there is a pattern of the difference in those outcomes based in contrast to all other people groups, then we need to find, so we would do what any other scientist would do. We would find the cause. And it would not be yeah. that this, we wouldn't be isolated situations. We would actually extract the situations where the outcome is different than the pattern because those are not useful for this scientific study. We're only focused on the pattern. And a pattern is most often. Right. So even if it's 70 percent of the time, uh, mm. there are there are medicines that get uh, that get approved <laughs> with right. less, but with worse odds than 70 percent of the time. But we actually know we know that it is not the case, even in Grand Rapids, almost three times as much like when there was that that third party study of of um, uh, racial profiling with police officers in, you know, with traffic stops, nearly three times as much blacks were pulled over uh, versus whites and, and Hispanics were twice as much, right? I'm just giving you round numbers, yeah, but it was yeah, like 2.9 right. something for blacks, like so basically three times as much. Well, if we can see that that's the pattern, then there has to be a cause. Well, what's the cause, right? So yep. that's all I'm saying. Like, so, so ultimately um for those individuals who would argue that that he was resisting um well i cannot argue for patrick leoya and unfortunately he can't either now <laughs> but what i can say as a black man who has to carry the weight of managing everybody else's fear of me when i've done nothing to cause it there's a lot of things we do when humans have a lot of different ways of responding when we're terrified. And every yeah. single time, every single time a police officer pulls behind me, it is not nervousness that causes me to slow down. It is terror that causes me to stop my conversations. 
in the car that allows me to not be able to focus on my wife and what she's saying. And my wife is able to actually, she also pauses the conversation too, because she knows what I'm dealing with. It's the thing that causes me to tell my kids to be quiet in the back end of the car while there's a police officer behind us because I need to focus on making sure that I do absolutely nothing wrong in this moment. And if they distract me even for but a moment, I believe wholeheartedly that I will be stopped and I do not know, I have no idea what's going to happen in that interaction at that point. Mm -hmm. That's not what anybody else deals with. I know it. (laughs) I just know it. Nobody else deals with that except us. And it's not to say that there's not nervousness. Everybody is nervous around authority. We're not nervous around authority. We're nervous around what we believe to be hunters. Mm. They're hunting us. (laughs) That is not something everybody feels. Yeah, and that word justified was used because in my post, I specifically said it was not justified period right and uh, you know within right. a context of other stuff i was writing and that was the part that they wrote on they basically were saying well you don't know because the the trial hasn't happened yet and so if the trial says it didn't it's he's innocent well then it was justified and you can't take back what you wrote and, I, and it really hit me hard yeah that like even even if some jury somewhere said he's innocent whatever like some law you know there's laws about this stuff and loopholes and whatever that doesn't mean it was justified. Like the no. dude got shot in the back of the head. Like that's not justified. It's a, no it's horrible. You know what I not mean? A... Like there's no justification for that. Even whatever our law might say, I didn't mean it. I wasn't saying it in a legal sense. I was saying it in a moral, ethical sense. Anyway, so that was yes, that was where that, that word and, came from. And even and even just because you find that he's because you find that he's not guilty of of. Uh, misuse of power or misuse of authority because you find that he's not guilty of it that still doesn't mean that it's justified because at the end of the day we need to have a conversation about training at the end of the day this dude was driving with tags that didn't belong on the vehicle but there was no other there was nothing from any nothing no report that gave you the indication that he was that there was any reason to suspect him of any other law that was being broken. Do you have to pursue, right? Do you have to? Yeah. Yes, you have to pursue. Why? Right, you know what I mean? Like, why do you have to pursue? Do you know how many people break the law every single day that you don't catch? (laughs) Right, you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, really? Like, let's just say, let's just play that out. Patrick Leolia runs away. You can't track him down because the plate doesn't match the car. Then what? <laughs> right? You know, like, it doesn't mean that he automatically goes and robs a bank. It doesn't mean that he automatically goes and kills somebody. It just means the other people doing it down the street that you're also not catching, he just joins that population. There are hundreds, thousands of people in the state of Michigan driving vehicles with plates that don't belong to them. Is it yeah. the end of the world that that one got away? <laughs> right? Keep his car. To shoot him in the back of the head. Yeah. Keep his car. Yeah. What? Right there. And his car is there and his friend is there. He got his Keep... car and his friend. Listen, they're, they're both right there. So listen, you can talk it's... to them, his friend. and yeah. What's justified in that moment is he got pulled over and he fled the, he fled the, the scene. What's justified is, well, then he loses his car. <laughs> 
justified. Hey, there you there go. It is. That's that's yeah. what should have happened in that moment. <laughs> that's what is happening. Like you, we just found out that he had a blood alcohol level that was high. Great, lose his license. That's normal, <laughs> right? That's what we normally mm-hmm. do with people who are driving under the influence. They don't die. <laughs> right? That's yeah. not how this works. Right? right? So there's no justification at all other than a system that teaches us that this bias is typical and it's normal and it's okay. And that and and that and that your authority is the thing to be protected rather than this person's right to live. Your authority as a police officer is the thing to be protected. So if I tell you to stop and you don't, well, then I now have the, the, the go ahead to cause great bodily harm to you when that's not true. Your authority isn't the thing that you are protecting. You're protecting the citizens of this, this area. That's what you're here for not your authority. And I know that Mm. authority is a piece of that puzzle and it does matter. We do need to respect it. But at some point we got to train police officers to wreck, to be able to comb through the moment here a little bit better, like combing through. I'm not a police officer. I don't get, I don't know what all the training is, but I do, I do as a community leader, I don't get the, I don't have the ability to say that my authority is, is, you know, should, should result in the punishment um, of other people to the to the point of bodily harm and or death, and I don't yeah. believe that police officers should have that authority either. I just don't. I just don't. So I think ultimately yeah. we 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 have, that's that's the conversation that I think we need to have is we need to have conversations about de escalation. Um, we need to have conversations about about acknowledging that the, someone disrespecting your authority does not mean that you have the authority to kill them. That's just not it. Um, yeah, uh, but you do have the authority to take their car and take their. Take, there you go. You have the authority to take that man. You should have. You should have let that dude go and said, "You want to run too, friend? Go for it, because I'm about to impound this car." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let it go. <laughs> um, but that's just that's that's just me speaking as a black man who doesn't want that to happen to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, my kind of final thought on it is if you so. Um, I hear the side, you know, I've read, I've read from officers and um, in this case as well, who say, you know, well, an officer doesn't know what they're going to, when they do a, a they're going to pull, pull, they're going to do a stop. They don't know what's, what's behind the door. They don't know if that person's arm, you know, so there's a, there's a sense of anxiety that the officer has. Right. And so the, the person gets out, the anxiety heightens. And, and I, and I want to say, I received that. I received that. I don't know what that's like. I don't know what that's like to walk up to a car not know what's going on. And this, this, you know, uh, Patrick did get out of his vehicle. And, and, but the thing that got me in that video, if you watch all the videos, you know, the, the one at the very beginning, I, I, you're talking about de-escalation training. I get it. You got some anxiety cause he's out of his car, but it's like, Chase, if I want you to punch me in the face, uh, there's certain things that I would say and do to start the conversation that might lead to that conclusion. There's certain ways I would talk to you. There's certain ways I would belittle you. There's certain, you know, and, and if I didn't want you to punch me in the face, uh, there's certain ways I would talk to you and there's certain ways I would relate to you. Right. And, and it's just, that's the part that was shocking to me was 
the way that conversation started, it was this screaming, just screaming. It's like, you're just, who responds well to being screamed at, especially in an environment where there's authority, where there's a weapon, you know? And so that was, that was the piece. You can take all of that into account about what an officer is going to face. But when you go into it, looking for a fight and you're being super disrespectful of the other person and just expecting them to basically coddle into submission to your demands. No, that's not how you start one of these interactions. Listen, I, I, um, I, as a pastor, I plan and navigate weddings and funerals probably more than most people in our community. I understand better than most people the details connected to weddings and funerals. So I don't have an expectation for a couple or a grieving wife to come to me and know all the things that they should expect about that service. That's not, that's not their job to, it's my job to. It is not my job as a citizen to navigate your anxiety as a police officer. No, you get trained and you signed up to be a police officer. <laughs> I nobody make you do that. I didn't get to choose whether or not I got to be a black man. You chose to be a police officer. It's not my responsibility to navigate if you're afraid. That's not my job. It's your job. And I'm not saying that you don't have you don't get to be human. Yeah, you get to be human. Yeah, you get to have fears. Yeah, you get to have all of that. But you need to have them in check when you put that uniform on that day. <laughs> because that's not my job. I get to be human. You're supposed to be trained in dealing with humans because that's your job. <laughs> that's, I don't, you don't get to use that as an excuse for negligence and, uh, and abuse of that authority. That's really mm. what that is. It's negligence and abuse. And ultimately, that's, you don't get to, once you sign up for it, you don't get to use it as an excuse to not be held accountable when somebody says to you that, that you should have handled that differently. No, that's not it. No, none of, the, none of the rest of us get to do that. And yes, police officers navigate a lot more than we do, but they signed up for it. And I'm glad that they did, but that doesn't mean that we don't hold them accountable just because it's a lot of pressure. Sure. <laughs> it doesn't mean that we don't have the conversation of training just because it's a lot of pressure. All of us, we if, if we don't like the pressure that's connected to what we're doing, then we shouldn't be doing it. And I'm not saying that I don't want police officers and I'm not saying to defund the police. That is not, that's so far from what I'm saying. But I am saying this, if you want that job, then you gotta take everything that comes along with it. And you can't say to people that you were afraid and that's why somebody died today. That's mm -hmm. not it. <laughs> that's not it. There's gotta be something else. <laughs> yeah. Gotta be something else. And so um, just as much as I can't say that, I was tired, so I didn't. I didn't care about the needs of that of that 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 woman who just lost her husband. I can't say that I was tired and I was, and it triggered me because my dad died the same way. I can't say that. Um, I need to let some other pastor do it then. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, that's just the truth. I need to let some other pastor do it. And I know different situation, but when it comes down to it. Nobody told you to be a police officer. You chose to. <laughs> That's well said. We've been uh, 
we've been man i took up your whole day sorry about that <laughs> sorry it was the technology that took up the whole day it's only been two Woo! hours that's good this video oh boy great okay it's all good it's all good all right it's because it's all good and because of the the um the support of uh angry brew we're gonna be able to have better technology as we continue to grow <laughs> as so we continue look at that drop angry look at that keep, keep on buying angry brew <laughs> that's right i like it oh i love it all right, Chase. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for being the the guest co-host. Yes. That's your that's your official, official title. title. <laughs> guest co-host. We, it's we write it on the whiteboard. Yeah, that's how yeah. you know that's it's how we know. it's official. Right. So, <laughs> all right. Well, hey, man, we're about to jump into Noah's rant. So say, you probably enjoy, should go enjoy your rant, bro. I will see you and all of the flip apart of my on another episode. On the flip side. So the, I'll see you on the flip ooh, side. That's the tagline. I see? will see you all on the flip side. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Chase. Uh, yeah, Pornography. It's not a comfortable subject, but 94% of men and 87% of women have seen pornography at some point in their lives. Has porn impacted your life and your relationships? Here's the good news. You can begin the journey to freedom today and have peace of mind knowing you're not alone in the fight. That's how Covenant Eyes works, through biblical accountability. When you sign up, you choose an ally to receive your device reports and walk with you towards a life free from porn and the life that God desires for you. Try it free for 30 days by visiting CovenantEyes.com and enter promo code BEYOND at checkout. That's CovenantEyes.com, promo code BEYOND at checkout. Freedom begins today. All right, everybody. Well, hey, uh, that was an in-depth conversation and hopefully helpful to you. And yeah, thanks for bearing with us on the video stuff as well. We are getting it figured out. Thankful for that. Slowly but surely, slowly but surely. Uh, thanks for hanging in there. So next, we are going to jump to uh, Noah's rant. I don't have my my siren transition in here yet. I need to get that uh, built in. But this is the warning time of the show where we're just going to have fun the rest of the time. That's fun for me, at least. It's uh, it's silly. Uh, it's Noah's rant. Woo, I got good at podcasting doing just audio. <laughs> I tell you, we're on episode, what I say, 65 of the flip side and many, uh, many renditions of podcasting before that of just audio. If I was giving advice to new podcasters, I would say, don't, don't start a video podcast, but we're going to get there. We're going to break through. We're going to get used to it. There's this, a little bit of a, of a learning curve to all this. So, uh, so yeah. So with that, now is the time that we are going to jump into the one, the only Noah's rant. Noah's rant. I told you last time that I went to Florida for spring break. This was about a month ago now. And we went to the beach. You know, we we drove we drove 24 hours. I talked to you about the condition of the the restrooms on the drive down on last episode and what would compel a person 
myself in this case, to drive 24 hours to a destination when living in, in Michigan, in, in the cold, in the wintertime. Springtime everywhere else, but still wintertime in Michigan. Well, one of the things, one of the things that would compel me to drive 24 hours is the ocean. The, o- the, the ocean. There's no ocean in Michigan. We have Lake Michigan, which is nice, but but not nice at the beginning of April. So the warm weather and the ocean. These are some of the reasons people drive 24 hours to Florida. So we're at the ocean and we, we, we get our stuff set up. We have an umbrella. So there's a little bit of shade for my wife and we're playing in the water. And then I, I come back and want to just lay out on the beach towel and enjoy the ocean. One of the things I love about the ocean is its its magnificence. And, you, and, and the sound that it makes is a very soothing sound. The sound of water, the sound of the ocean waves. It's one of the most soothing sounds that exist in the in the world. And so so if you were to to Google soothing sounds, you would hear you would find ocean tides. Uh, if you are one who goes to a massage therapist to get a massage, they will play sounds uh, of, of soothing sounds to relax you like the ocean waves. Uh, it's, it's one of God's greatest creations is the, the ocean and its magnificence and the soothing sound of the tide coming in and out. So on my trip to Florida, and we only went to the beach once. Don't get me started on that. Uh, <laughs> when it was my turn to lay down and hear the soothing sounds of the ocean, do you know what I heard instead? It was it was the the family right next to us that was had their setup, and they decided it would be a good idea to have a Bluetooth speaker playing. Uh, top 40 hits. I got to listen to Ed Sheeran shivers. I got to listen to uh, Sean Mendez and, and Justin Bieber as I'm trying to listen to the ocean. Now, now let me just say a, 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 a few, a few problems with this. You, you can listen to Ed Sheeran sing about his shivers anywhere and you could go you could be in michigan and you you can listen to that you don't you don't have to be on the ocean uh to listen to listen to that music on your your fancy cool bluetooth speaker and here's the thing when you're on the ocean in florida there's other people around and so when you listen to ed sheeran shivers on the ocean guess who else has to hear ed sheeran Shivers and and Justin Bieber and Sean Mendes. Everyone else has to listen to it too. I have to listen to it because I'm I'm right next to you. And so for this this family that was that was next to me on the ocean, I, I know you're listening to the flip side, to the flip side podcast. So I want to introduce you to an amazing new invention. It's it's very recent, it's very technologically savvy. You may not be familiar with it. They're called headphones. They're called headphones. 
I'm actually wearing some right now. If you're watching on video, you put them over your ears and the older ones plug in with a cord into your listening device. The new ones are wireless. You don't even have to have a wire. And when you listen to Ed Sheeran sing about his shivers, only you can hear. It is incredible. They go right into your ears. And so nobody else has to hear the amazing music that you love so much. And the, the rest of us can sit and, and listen to the ocean. Or frankly, we can put our headphones in and listen to, to anything, anything that, that we would potentially want to listen to. So, so that is, that is my Noah's rant for the day. Uh, Noah's rant exists to, to make the world a better place. And I think we did that today. I think we did that today because everyone needs to know that when you go to the ocean, it is really important that you can hear the ocean and that you allow other people to hear the ocean. <laughs> and so I wrap up episode 65 with that. Thank you for listening to Noah's Rant. Video number two is in the books. I didn't give much of an intro at the beginning of this episode. Uh, like I did last time, but I would love it if you headed over to youtube.com slash Noah Philippiak and checked out the video there. Subscribe there, kind of help build the YouTube audience there. That would be a great big help. You can support the show at podbean.com slash Noah Philippiak. That is another huge help as we try to grow the flip side. You can email the show if you want to interact with anything that Chase and I talked about. The email address is podcast at beyondthebattle.net. Podcast at beyondthebattle.net. I will see you next time on The Flip Side. The Flip Side with Noah Philippiak is a Beyond Ministries production. Copyright Noah Philippiak. www.noahphilippiak.com. Theme music by Kyle Lake at K Lake Music. Used with permission. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. It's time to bring me closer. There's no purgatory because you're in or you're out. When you see them in the clouds, do you know it's going down? Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is with your days. Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? Over burrito.
waste us Please up, this is why we inked up Even when they do the autopsy, they still see him Freedom, freedom, freedom coming quickly Bars from the spirit Put it through the preamp and mix it like a chemist Put it in the airwaves and hoping that they hear it If there's some confusion, then I hope you see him clearly Raise them, raise them, raise them They've been sleeping for some ages Not all God's babies so confused by this hatred Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list Money probably long, but sure it's with your days is.